just say there's so much good around us. And sometimes we get so blinded worrying about ourselves. We don't see the goodness all around. Uh, amen to that. Amen. So help me out with the, cause I mean, you have a daughter you talked about, right? This second marriage produced a beautiful daughter that I've known oh. for, man, what's yeah, it's been, dang, it's been a long time. Wow. It's, That's it's been, been a while. It's been a bit. Um, how has, how has being a single dad shaped your new life now? The outlook that you have as a new dad? You know what? Um, I think it's really stripped me of selfishness um, because, you know, there used to be a lot of, okay, well, you know, you, you, you know, this for me, that for me. And you really look at the different things you can get. I, I never felt selfish. I always felt like I was a very caring, very giving person. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden <clears throat> I realized that everything I have to, I'm doing now is for my daughter. Um, at least, especially at the beginning. And, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in caution, sometimes I think I went too far down that road, right. Where I wasn't looking out for myself enough but it really taught me um, a way to think because I remember, uh, you know, I was just starting off um, when, when the second divorce happened, my daughter was four. I was just getting started in mortgages. I had just gone into a commission only structure. So I'm making nothing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, I'm going, I, I need to make this happen. And, you know, I like my time, but all of a sudden I found myself getting up at four in the morning, starting to work before I would wake her up. I'd get her up and try to do things. I mean, different times I was juggling things. She sometimes she would make a you know a bed under my desk at work. Um, eventually, we got her into um, into uh, daycare and things like that. But you know, then come home, I feed her, play with her. She didn't have any siblings. Uh, we didn't really have any you know. She didn't have a lot of friends that she was playing with at the time, so it was all me. And mm-hmm. I tried to be present. I tried to be there for her, but that also meant that once um, I got her in bed. Now I'm up till midnight working to finish up what I didn't get done during the day. And I was functioning on less sleep than I ever thought was possible because I said, it's about her now. If there's one thing I knew in my marriage, failed marriages, is that she was not to blame. And I could not let her, you know, I was like, I can't let her suffer for this. So I'm going to do everything I can. And I, you know, day to day, you know, I push myself to, to places I didn't think I could push myself. Physically, I was doing things I didn't think I could physically do because I finally shed off, this isn't about me, this is now about her. So again, I think I do think uh, I may have gone too far at times. Mm-hmm. But boy, it taught me a lot about myself and what we are capable of when we have the right focus. Yeah. Dude. Oh, man. You, you, yeah. Just listening to what you were saying, it brought back a flood. And I mean, a flood of memories. I 100% can relate to that. I remember going to the gym with my brother at four o'clock, four o'clock, 4.30 in the morning, because I couldn't go throughout the day. I worked from home and then, you know, come home, make all, I had, I had all four of my, my children and making lunch or, uh, you know, breakfast, getting breakfast, pack, you know, making packed lunches, dropping them off, getting back. I had to do more in a short amount of time than most people were able to do in a long period of time. And this is not a knock against couples that are together. If you're together, Hey, look, I, I am, I thank you. Be, be, you know what I'm saying? Like this is not knock. This is, 
this is just knowing that you adjust based on the, the space that you're in. I remember picking them up from school and it was like, oh, crud, dinner. And, you, and you're like, who's making, oh, I'm making dinner. Okay, we got to do something different because I've made those, I've made five things really good and that's about it. And so then you start, and then they go to bed and then you stay up till midnight. I mean, you're right. Like, I just remember having no sleep and thinking, is this ever going to end? Like, this is yeah. crazy. But you're you're right. Your mind and your body adjust to it, and it's un it's unbelievable, unbelievable. When we're pushed to limits that we didn't think we could do, we realize we can. It's like yeah, it's um, it really your word is right. It's unbelievable. <laughs> what? So now, how do you how do you how do you navigate? Right, your daughter now is how old? Your daughter? She's what? Twelve? She's eleven, almost twelve. Oh, that's close. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? How do you, so how do you navigate now? I mean, four to 12, I mean, questions that come up. I mean, how do you navigate that, that, you know, you step on the wrong part of the block of ice and it's all going to crumble. Like, how do you navigate through that, those questions and the highs and lows and, you know, why are you not together and so forth? How do you navigate through all of that? You know, I think I got fortunate. Um, One of my best friends, um, I, I mean, from, from when I lived in Montana, uh, he was a marriage and family therapist. <clears throat> and um, so long before I was even married, my second marriage, you know, we'd have talks and such. And I'd actually started um, uh, dating my now second ex. And she, she actually had two, uh, two children at the time. And he pointed out to me, he says, you know, one was, I think she was three and the other one was seven, I believe at the time. And he pointed out to me, he says, you know what? He says, the first one, um, he says, by the way, I hope I, if there's any therapist out there or something, they'll probably correct me on this. But I believe he said the kind of the, the general cutoff age is about six. If you come in their life before six, this is just going to be a normal part of what life is. You know, in, for example, in her life, I'm going to be dad. You know, she's going to have two dads and this is normal life. For the second one who is seven, he will always remember life before me. And therefore, I will be your, but you're not really my dad. <clears throat> and um, I think that same principle applied a lot, but kind of on the other end, that my daughter was four when it happened. And so for her, a lot of it, this is what life is. She doesn't look back on it like, you know, um, when she was younger, she asked me, uh, you know, a little bit, and, and uh, I was quite honest with her. I just says, do you want maybe one day, um, if you still think it's important, we can have that talk, but it's not something you need to worry about. Um, you know, let's just worry about, you know, the, what we're going to eat tonight. Let's worry about where we're going to go, what park we're going to go play at. Let's worry about those things. Um, and honestly, they really haven't come up since. And I think a large part of that is because she was young enough that this is just the life she knows. That wow, I've never heard that before, but that, that does make so much, so much sense, you know, so so much sense. How how are you building now? I mean, just the two of you, right? You you have these big things. I mean, do you do you sit down and plan things out like trips and vacations? I mean, yeah, obviously she keeps you completely, you know, on your toes because that's what <laughs> girls do, and the older they get, and once they hit those teenage years. <clears throat> Hey, you know, I, you can call me at any point. And I'll, I'll give you some pointers, but <laughs> so I, I, how are we now? Like the relationship, obviously good. I mean, are, are you able to just 
plan and do things now that without that fear of, well, maybe, or I don't know. You know what? I mean, it's, I can feel mine and her relationship changing because I mean, it was Velcro before. I mean, anywhere I went, anything we did, we were together, we were doing everything. And I really tried to expose her to as much as I could, you know, as much goodness, as much different activities, as much different um, events and cultural things. I, you know, I tried to make sure she would be exposed to a lot of that. And she mm -hmm. loved it. Um, but, you know, when she, she's younger, it's just kind of me planning it and explaining to her, this is what we're going to do. And she loved it. I now notice that is much more, hey, uh, well, Will you come with me and do this? Oh, but dad, you know, can I just hang out with so-and-so? <laughs> um, but, but we do, we've got, a, we do have a very special bond and um, we do, we, uh, you know, we have certain trips, my favorite trip every year. And we, unfortunately, because of some other stuff going on, we missed it for the first time this year, but we do a ski trip up to Montana every year. <clears throat> that and would be beautiful. I, by I the love, way. Yeah, I love that ski trip. And I love watching her get better skiing. But do you know what I really love, Cameron? I love going up the chairlift with her because it's just her and I and listening to the snow fall. Mm. And all day long, we take these little rides up the chairlift and have these awesome conversations. Oh, man. And you're right. The, 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 older, the older they get, the deeper the, the deeper the connection, the deeper the meaning. Um, man, that's... Man, that's awesome. Yeah. Seriously, that's so cool. Yeah. Now, and the other one too, and I'll point this out too, because I absolutely love these as well. Um, her mom lives about an hour and a half away. And so, you know, every other weekend she goes down there on Sunday evenings, I go down and pick her up and bring her back. Mm -hmm. And I've had so many people comment that, oh, you must get so tired of that. And I'm like, you know what? Not even a little bit, because that is an hour and a half of me and her in the car just talking. And I, I cherish that hour and a half twice a month. <clears throat> yeah. Cherish it, man. I'm telling you, because they get older and they graduate. Some gone, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're like, what happened? Like I have a daughter who graduates uh, next, actually this weekend. And I'm like, crazy. what happened? <clears throat> like, why can't you just go back to that little, little girl that I held in my hands and was like, man, how, this eight, they're like people would say 18 years ago by I'm like that won't are you kidding me and now I'm on there going I, I would love I would love 24 hours with her like this all over oh. again it would make it would make my life <laughs> I know I know but honestly isn't that a isn't that a um great commentary on life and the way we mm -hmm. we perceive things because um you know really you could be I, I mean you could sit there and say I wish that just twice a month, I could have a captive audience with my child. What I would give. And then we get in the car and I'm like, I can't believe I have to drive an hour and a half to, uh, you know. No, do you know what? I, I mean, how do you perceive it? I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't perceive it as I have to go pick her up and drive her back. I perceive it as I get to have an hour and a half captive audience with my daughter. She can't go run off and do anything. Mm -hmm. And what a blessing that's been. Whereas I could look at it as, hey, do you know what? This is the worst thing to happen. And I can't believe I have to do this drive all the time. Yeah. Look, I want to end on this real quick, Corey. Yeah. What, what advice would you give to someone who's, who's going to knows divorces is eminent, right? Or is in, I guess there's three parts, right? Someone who's getting ready to go, someone who is going through and someone who has been through divorce. What, 
two parts of that question, you answer all three. What advice would you give them? I mean, would you give the, would there be like books to read or podcasts or, or, or mental, uh, mental mind, mindset map or things you could do mentally? What would advice would you give to those three types of uh, people that fall in those three categories? You know what, you, you kind of mentioned books, Kay. Um, I'm such a believer in reading books. I didn't read any books on it. I kind of wish I had. So, you know, I, I can't speak from experience there, but I do think that's an important one. But uh, I think I touched on some of these earlier, but I'm going to do it again in this new framed question because it's brilliant that you ask. Um, but first, um, surround yourself with people that love you. I mean, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's a church group, you're going to need that foundation from people that love you and then be willing to be vulnerable around them. Um, find someone that you can open up to. Um, and quite honestly, uh, for me, a, a lot of that came, <clears throat> and I mentioned this, if you don't, you know, because I know that's not there for, I was so fortunate and so blessed that I had that in my life. <clears throat> and some people are going to feel alone and don't have that. Mm -hmm. um, I never thought myself to be the kind of person that would have to go to therapy, right? I, I like to say I went to marriage counseling, but really it ended up being my counseling. Um, if you don't have anything else, or even if you do, that was such a powerful experience for me because they know they, they can see things that we don't see and they can put you in the mindset you need to be in. And uh, it might be a real quick experience. It might be just a few visits and things will can turn around, but you know, that, that's a huge one. Um, but really, you know, you've also got to find uh, you know, do the things to, that, that do, you know, give you that mental, um, uh, emotional uh, charge, you know, like we talked about hiking, getting outside, those sort of things. But at the end of the day, I think you need, just need to have an, um, um, goals, you need to have perspective, you need to move forward. Um, and, you know, something like for the second one, my daughter was, was that was that thing that I couldn't stop, I had to move. And whether it's just having to reach deep down in your gut and creating something, or mm -hmm. if there, if you do have something like children, use them in that way as your motivation. Um, one other thing I'm going to point out, um, and I, I've mentioned this to you, but what, one of the greatest books that I've ever read is Failing Forward. And uh, <clears throat> uh, John Maxwell, for those that haven't mm -hmm. read it but want to. Um, I'm reading it. I'm going through it for the third time right now. And he just touched on this in my reading the, a couple of days ago is that we have to recognize that there's a difference between, you know, when we fail or make a mistake, we have to stop and realize that I'm not the failure. The failure was an event. It was something that happened. That was the failure. I'm not the failure, right? What I do from here can actually turn that failure into the biggest successes, but that event isn't who I am. And, and you know, you're going through a, a divorce, you're going to feel like you're a failure. People say that. They say, yeah, you know, I'm a failure. I, I, I messed up my marriage or my marriage got messed up. I'm a failure. I never thought I'd be here. I'm a, you know, and we start to eat ourselves up. No, mm -hmm. you know what? The marriage failed. You didn't. You're not a failure. And you've got so much worth. Now pick it up and, and move forward with it. Uh, <clears throat> we, could, we're, we could be done. We can close <laughs> up now and say, have a great day, everyone. Holy flipping cow. That was, that was amazing not only for people that are going through divorce or that are, are getting ready that like, yep, it, it's imminent or the people who have been through, 
the steps that Corey just gave everyone, even if you're still married, even those of us that are married, those are phenomenal steps. Take time for yourself, reflect, ponder. No, I love that failure. It's such a, a great, it's an event. It's not you. It's an event yeah. that happened, but it, it's not us. And it's so many of us internalize yeah. that and be like, you're right. I'm, I am a failure. I, I must be like everybody else that they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so true. I've got two failed marriages, but I'm not a failure. No. I mean, I, I now recognize the difference. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. I need to, I want to move to, I want to ask this question and move on. Um, we could spend, I could spend hours oh. and hours on this. There's just so much to unpack and, and to peel back and just get into. But so you, I, I listened to, you're on a podcast, um, LDS, uh, LDS Divorce Coaches. Um, it's a very, in, very insightful. Um, talk He's amazing. Voice. Yeah, very good. Shout out to them. Great job. Um, I love this, the point that you made this point. You said a home, not only a financial, but an emotional stability. Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean by that? What did you mean? What do you mean by that, that statement you made? Okay, do you know what? Um, I got I to gotta, uh, confess first. I stole it. It was Susie Orman I read it from. <laughs> there you go. And I, I, I'm going to, I'll probably butcher it, but I believe her quote was that a home provides not only emotional, but financial stability. Or not only financial but emotional stability. There you go. And because um, yeah, we all we we can talk about the financial aspects of the home. In fact, I love doing that because I do mortgages. But the emotional part of it, right? Um, it is our safe space. Mm-hmm. It's you know where um, it's where our memories are stored. It, there's so much to it. You know, when you go through a divorce, that's what people fight over. I mean, they fight over this home because. All of the memories are there. The kids feel good there. The field kids are going to feel at home. I mean, which spouse has to leave? Okay, you get to go to dad's or mom's apartment, or you can be at home, mm-hmm. right? It, because it's, you walk in and you feel safe. You leave for years. You've been leaving all of those external, that chaos outside, and you walk into your safe place. Yeah. And it really does. It becomes an emotional support for you because it's, yeah, it's your shelter from the storm. I love it. I love it. So give us, give us some tips. I mean, I'm going to segue and kind of isolate everybody. You know, you talk about, you talk about things that when you're, you know, that come from a divorce, obviously they fight over this, this home, right? What, what can individuals do to kind of help mitigate or protect themselves against like you talked, you brought up a point about liens on a home and what, what is something you could give to people that are like, all right, we're going to go now. Listen, Corey is, is giving his perspective that don't take this as doctrine. Okay. If you want uh, his information and link will be down below and you can reach out. He can explain more, but give us a little bit of that insight, if you will. So I I am going to start when I talk, have this conversation, I always have to say, I'm not an attorney. I'm not giving any legal advice on this. Okay. But I will give it to you from a, um, you know, both, uh, personal perspective and also from, uh, you know, this is what I do for a living. I do mortgages. Um, th- there's a few things you want to do. One, first, it, it is hard to do. We just talked about that emotional thing. And, and the reason I love to bring that up, that that how, how tied we are to it emotionally, is because you're going to have to step back and realize um, that you might have to just walk away from it. So recognize why, you know, if you can recognize why you're having a hard time saying goodbye to it, sometimes it makes it easier to say goodbye to it. 
But um, <clears throat> there, there are a few things I always tell people that if you're going to go through a divorce and you have a home that you want to look at. And, and these are two different things, entirely different perspectives. But one is liens. Um, because if, for example, if I'm keeping a home and, you know, my ex is leaving and she's agreed to it and, you know, whatever arrangement we have, um, did we consider any liens on that home as a part of that arrangement, right? Mm -hmm. What if we had a uh, pool built for $50,000 and I forgot that there was a pool lien on the home? Well, guess what? When I go to, I thought I had $100,000 of equity. When I go to sell it, I've only got 50, but I paid her $50,000 in our divorce agreement because I forgot there was a lien on the home, okay? I'm gonna take a quick step, step aside. Uh, for the most part, easy solution, go see a title company. Uh, they've got three different things. A lot of, usually they'll, they can do kind of a quick search for liens that they might mm -hmm. not even charge you for. They kind of have a medium one that they'll usually charge. Uh, again, I, I don't know these for sure, but probably uh, 150 bucks for, and, or they can do a full title search. That's going to cost you several hundred dollars. But if there's any liens on it, they will find them. Give that information to your attorney. Now, just because he's your attorney doesn't mean that they know to look for all this stuff. They've got so much on their plate with your entire picture that they don't always dig deep into one specific thing. Mm -hmm. So there's that one. Um, <clears throat> another one, if you are keeping the home, I, I recommend getting a home inspection, right? When you buy a home, you get a home inspection. Hey, what's wrong with this house? Hey, the roof's about to fall in. Okay, I don't want to buy this home. Hey, do you want, I'm going to take over the house um, as a part of our divorce agreement. Maybe I should get an inspection. Guess what? Now the roof's about to fall in. Maybe I don't want to keep the house, or maybe we'll come up to a more equitable agreement between the two of us if I find that stuff out. And just because you live there doesn't mean that um, you, you know everything that's wrong with it. Mm -hmm. So have someone take a look. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm ready to buy a home. Well, I'll wait for <laughs> the race to go down a little bit. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> Guys, look. This interview, I, I knew coming into this interview, there'd be a space that would be, a, I say fun, but it's it's also very, you know, very sombering to know um, because we've both been through um, divorce. We both, we both have been in those dark, dark spaces and those dark places. We've come out of it. We've learned a ton. And now you, <clears throat> you're in this space, you're doing mortgages, but yet you go back and listen. If you listen to that podcast, Corey talks a lot about just how his his purpose is to help people get into these homes that they can create that emotional attachment to. Yeah, guys, I'm telling you right now, yeah. that is there's no greater calling than that at helping people find that emotion connection. So tell there's us about the business. Tell us about what it is you do, how you help people look for the do's and don'ts. Obviously, tell us a little bit about the what it is you do uh, as your job. All right. Well, before I go there, I'm going to throw one more of those um, divorce mortgage nuggets out that I think sure. is really important. Okay. Because, you know, when we're going through divorce, and I think this is important is to, uh, when you're going, and you know this, Cameron, you have to start to visualize what life's going to look on the other side, right? Mm -hmm. there, there's something that's, you know, it, it gives you a little bit of life, a little something to look for that. Hey, do you know what? This is what I'm going to make my life look like. Um, a lot of times those plans are going to involve your house, whether it's you're keeping one or whether you're going to go buy another one, whatever it is, talk to a mortgage professional that you trust before you go through the divorce. Okay. Because a lot of times you may find out that you can't, if you would have done the divorce slightly differently, you could have realized those dreams and goals. But if 
the way you did it, they won't. I'm going to give a quick example, okay? <clears throat> um, for I, I had a client, this is a number of years ago. She comes and says, Corey, I'm going to keep the house. I'm going to, you know, here's our agreement, and I'm getting child support. And she was going to use child support and her alimony to help uh, her qualify to refinance the house into her name so she could buy him out. Um, she was going to get her alimony or spousal support for three years. I turned to her, I said, you know what, if you get it for three years, you cannot use that to qualify. Again, something I would know, but no one else knows. Okay. Mm -hmm. And now, now you don't qualify. So now he thinks that you're going to be able to refinance this house out of your name. You're not going to qualify. You think you're going to qualify. You can't. And all of a sudden it makes everyone miserable. He's upset because you can't get his name off of it, even though you agreed to, and you can't keep this home. What we did instead is, you know, we totaled up how much total payments is he making over those three years? We stretched it over four years. And, uh, you know, if there's any mortgage people uh, listening, you'll understand this, that depending on the program you use, um, I'll go conventional mortgages because this has a higher threshold than, uh, than for example, FHA. Mm -hmm. You have to show that you've received those payments for six months after the divorce. And you have to show that they're still going to continue for another three years. And, you know, you have to have time to close. So all of a sudden we reduced how much she gets monthly and spread over four years instead of a little bit more over three years. He agreed to it because he understood that that's how he's going to get his name off. And we were able to get it done for her after the divorce was finalized and after um, she got those six payments in. Wow. So, and I remember you said, I remember, I remember that part. I'm glad you shared that story. <clears throat> yeah. Really important. You know, it's again, find someone that, that, that you trust and they'll guide you through. So, but you know, as far as my business goes, um, I, I love talking about this. I'll be honest with you, Cameron. I, I started doing it because I believed in, it. I thought there's a lot of value to it and I thought it would really benefit my business as well. Um, what I discovered is it's a very labor intensive niche uh, to my market. I don't do a lot of them anymore um, because, um, because it is, you know, it's, you might give the advice today, but it might be a year before the, the divorce is even finalized and things have changed and it's, it's a struggle. But that does not mean those people don't need advice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Myself, when someone calls me, I still love to do it because I believe it's the right thing to do. I may not make a dime off of it. I believe it's the right thing to do to help people navigate. Um, what I've learned in life, I mean, if you're talking about the business end of it, when you do the right thing in business, your business is going to grow. So even when I don't get any business whatsoever from it, I've just discovered somehow, somewhere it keeps coming back to me. But yeah, find my, my big thing is to tell people, just find someone that, that say, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. This is where we're going before you sign all that paperwork, because he might say, no, you need to do it differently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I am, I, I am so grateful. I, Corey, I'm so grateful you become this man of power and a man of strength and a man of courage that could talk very openly about the darkness, but also can share, shed a huge light on all of us, man. Thank you so much. Just, I mean, this interview was amazing. I already knew going in, but it blow, it has blown my mind 10,000 times over, dude. So great. So great. All right. Before I let you go, <clears throat> five books. 
I do this every time. Five books. What are five books, your top five books you would recommend someone to either read, listen to, can be motivational, spiritual, business-wise. Just give me your five books. All right. So so first of all, again, I, I don't like reading at all, but boy, do I find a lot of value in it. So I'm going to do it regardless. Um, the first one I'm going to say, again, I'm a man of faith. Scriptures have the biggest impact on my life, period. Holy Scriptures, I don't care what book it is you're reading, New Testament, No Testament, whatever. Get in there and read the scriptures. Uh, second one, uh, outside of the scriptures, the biggest impact on my life, period, is Failing Forward by John Maxwell. We are all going to fail. Um, I hate the fact that we are conditioned to view failure as a bad thing. And not we're never taught how to internalize failure because it's going to happen all day, every day. Why aren't mm -hmm. we taught what to do with it and make it a wonderful, beautiful thing to move us forward. That's what that book taught me. Um, I don't know if you've read Atomic Habits by James Clear. <clears throat> Boom, look at that. That's my most recent one. Absolutely amazing. Um, the Immigrant Edge uh, by Brian Buffini. Hmm. Not heard of that one? I've not heard of that one, no. You know, my biggest I'm going to give you my biggest takeaways too, by the way. <laughs> Even if you didn't sure, sure, please. Biggest takeaway in that one is he's talking about why do immigrants, so many immigrants come to this country and all of a sudden have this huge success that people that live here don't have. And he, uh, a large part of it is because they don't have the support. So succeeding isn't an option. I mean, failing isn't an option. They keep going. They persevere because they've got no other option but to persevere. And we kind of even touched, touched on some of that um, today, but a great book. And the last one is uh, The Upside of Fear by Weldon Long. Not heard of that one either. Oh, Cameron, you should grab this one. You'll like it. In fact, uh, you, you talked about uh, having another guest on you. Um, I don't know if he's read it, but if he hasn't, uh, he needs to as well. Uh, it's the story, um, life story of, of Weldon Long, who is a violent criminal ends up in prison um, basically for life and he uses his I am statements affirmations and vision mm. of, he basically I think there's five things and he put on his prison no it, he tells the story of how he ended up in prison and it's not pretty it's ugly he's very vulnerable he and he puts five five things on his wall and I can't remember all of them but he's like I am um you know, I can't remember, I'm a million dollar a year author or a million dollar a month author or something like that. I am the world's greatest dad. I am, you know, and he didn't even have contact with his kids and he's behind bars, you know, and he's got all these things. I own a, a beautiful mountain home and, you know, I've got this incredibly gorgeous wife that I love so much. And he does these things and he reads them every day. And he talks about how that completely changed his life. And by the way, he got out and um, he achieved it all Wow! from in prison, thinking he was going to be there the rest of his life. And if you can be behind bars and make those affirmations and those I am's and that vision and still accomplish all of that when you never thought you'd have freedom, it's powerful. That is, man, that I'm going to go grab that book. And, you know, as you're going through those, I'm going to pop up those I am statements that he, he did because... <clears throat> That you're right. The I am statements are, are, are so powerful. They put your mind into thought and then you got to go into motion and get it done. But my, Corey, 
right, man, brother, I love you. I love that you oh. came on. I love that you had shared this experience. I love you as a, as a brother. I love that you're just a phenomenal husband or husband soon to, you know, nay, yeah. casting well, it out there. We will you're be. a phenomenal I, husband. I am. I am an awesome husband. <laughs> there we go. There we go. You're just an amazing, an amazing man. All the links will be down below. Guys, when this comes out, you it's going to be one of those you'll play back. I say this all the time because everybody keep coming on. They just keep, you just keep playing them back and playing them back. But this has literally been a great episode of perseverance and just never quitting. Never, ever quitting. Corey, thank you so much, guys. Cameron. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for what you do, Cameron. This You've got such a great thing going here. Please keep it going. We all need you. Oh, man, I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. Guys, please, if you feel like, think about people that could benefit from this and share this with them and say, listen, I just heard this and I thought of you and I know this will benefit you like it did me. Guys, like and share, comment below. This has been another fantastic episode of the Arch Study of You, and I will catch you on the next episode. See you guys.